Hi guys, it's Tass here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specified, the Building Materials Innovation Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are making a positive difference in the building materials, coding, and construction industry. Each episode will tap leaders and experts from inside and outside the industry to provide the mental tools, skills, and insights to make an impact. Today's guest is Sarah Weiss, CEO of Elite Roofing Supply. Elite Roofing Supply is a locally owned independent distributor of roofing materials and is rapidly growing in the U.S. Sarah, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Tats, for having me. So tell us more about your background. Well, I have grown up around the roofing industry my entire life. My grandparents in Columbia, Missouri owned a commercial roofing company, and my father's been in roofing distribution most of his career. So always been around the industry. I went to college and got a business degree from USC with an emphasis in distribution management, and then actually went into more finance consulting. Okay. But my passion's always been around small business. I, I saw what it did for both sides of my family growing up and just love the roofing industry. I mean, it's just been the best gift for our family. So when the opportunity arose, when my father decided to start Elite Roofing Supply with our partner, Greg Russell, as well, I jumped at the chance to get on board and, and join the team. Awesome. So what's your typical day look like? <laughs> <laughs> I, I could honestly say there's not necessarily a typical day. I ah. feel like we're juggling. At any given day, I dedicate time to spending time with our manufacturer partners as we're strategizing on, on how to best position their products in the market and, and how to make sure our team is properly trained so we can be helpful and as we're working with our customers. I spend a lot of time with our employees. We're currently, we are in fast growth mode. So I'm spending a lot of time with different team members, picking their brain and, and really building our company's infrastructure. I spend a lot of time with our leadership team, just understanding what's going on at our branches, what challenges are they having, so I can help to try to remove any barriers that I can. And always talking to people who are looking to join our team. Every week I'm doing interviews and talking with folks who are looking to join the elite family. And But what I love doing is I, I try every month to spend a couple days at our branches. And that's not always possible, but I really, those days just fuel me in, in more ways than one. And as you know, Tats, last week I got to see two of our branches as we did a couple of grand openings and getting to talk to our customers firsthand and getting to, to talk with our team and hear their excitement. That's what I, I really like to try to spend as much time doing as possible is being at the ground level. Awesome. I could definitely sense the the passion in your voice. Now, one of the things that's very interesting is I remember my VP ops dealing with your accounting department now. And one of the things he said to me, and now nothing bad on accounting departments in general, but he said he was blown away by how friendly and enthusiastic your accounting department was. And so I'm thinking, obviously, culture is very important at your company. Well, it's an interesting observation. I really appreciate that compliment. I'll make sure I pass it along. Culture is everything to us. I mean, we're in the business of selling commodities that can be mostly purchased at three to 15 stores in our market. And so what we're really selling is the elite experience. And we're not perfect. I mean, we're like all of our customers. We, but we, we have, you know, there's good days, there's bad days. But 
what we aim for is to have that welcoming attitude, whether you're talking with accounting, HR, sales, and dispatch, it doesn't matter because everybody matters, whether you're a customer or you're a vendor. We want to make sure you're treated with respect that even when we're working through a bump, because bumps are going to happen in business, that we're doing it in a respectful manner, that we're working on fixing the process. I believe in the philosophy that humans don't make mistakes. Processes are where the mistakes happen. And we hire to that. We talk about it a lot when we're hiring. Our core values are to stay humble, to be of service, to act as though our mom or dad were watching, Mm. and to every day get better. We're not... Rome wasn't built in a day, as one of my team members likes to say. And you don't overhaul processes overnight or become the premier service organization overnight. It's a conscious effort of every team member at Elite to every day. Just try to do something a little bit better than we did it yesterday. And if we all, if we all remain focused on that, then, then big changes do happen over time. But it's, it's a crawl, walk, run process. Absolutely. How do you cultivate that? Is there uh, meetings and processes around that? I would say we're a pretty scrappy startup kind of company still. Uh, We do have meetings, but not a lot of it is honestly how our leadership team behaves and the messages I give to employees. When we make mistakes, I almost celebrate them. I'll say, hey, you know what? Mistakes happen. I make mistakes every day. What can we learn from it? So a lot of it is just the leadership team and how we're reacting when things do go awry or when people are trying to innovate. Sometimes those innovations work out great and sometimes they don't. But the more that we can encourage the innovation, there will be some great ideas that stick. During our hiring process, we definitely talk to it. We're trying to get better at doing this during the review process as well. But really what is creating this culture is the managing partners that we have in place and then also the leadership team really bringing home that this, this is the kind of company that Elite is because that's what people are attracted to joining us for. Awesome. So you talked about the learning that you're doing. What are some of the key insights that you, you kind of drived? How long have you been at this yourself with Elite? Six years. Okay. What are the key insights that kind of stand out while going through this journey? Wow. Um, <laughs> I would say don't focus on winning each battle, focus on winning the war. Having perspective. I think that's something that as a leadership team we talk about. We have a lot more perspective now than we did when we first started the company. It's easy to kind of beat yourself up when you want everything to happen immediately and you can see what you need to have happen. And, but the reality is, is when human beings are involved, everything takes time. There's not some ideal process that's going to solve all the problems, that, whether you're a distributor or a roofer. It's really about coaching, training, mentoring, cheering people on, focusing on the behavior you want to see, ignoring some of the behaviors you don't want to see. It's honestly very similar to parenting in a lot of ways. (laughs) And I think the other insight is that in my dad, this has always been his philosophy and he's 100% right here. We need to, whether you're a human being or the company, take a crawl, walk, run strategy. Think too often times businesses think they need to burst out and start sprinting and running. (laughs) And the reality is this is not how this business is growing at least. And and we've chosen to to kind of take that crawl, walk, run philosophy and it's worked well for us. Wonderful. I think any business can learn from that. I've had past guests where they talk about similar things as you. So I'm sure it's a great advice for almost everyone. It's hard. Entrepreneurs are highly driven, high achievers. 
So it's very hard to be patient with ourselves and with, with our team. But the reality is the patience really does pay off. And a lot of studies say you have to say a message seven to 10 times before mm-hmm. adults retain it. And that's, that's a piece too that we've really tried to hone on is what is our messaging and what, what is the culture that we want to have? And then we speak to it and we speak to it and speak to it and give examples and give kudos. And, and that's, that's how culture is built and, and that's how it's maintained. Culture is not something you just put on the back of a business card and hope people do it. It really has to be lived and breathed every day as a company. Perfect. Now, you talked about working with your manufacturers and strategizing positioning. What do you look for when you're partnering with a building materials company? You know, we look for, our, sometimes it's the roofers are asking for us to bring on a certain product. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a great sales force on the street and the roofers are getting excited and they, they would like us to stock it for them. That's one thing we look for is how much demand is there. We also look for what is the culture of that company. There are certain companies that we work with very well because our cultures are just very well aligned. And so it's always interesting just to understand the company's background, what the leadership style is, and how they view distribution. That often dictates what what our relationship ends up looking like. And we also look for what level of training and support are they going to provide to our our team. We really look at ourselves as an extension of our manufacturer's sales team. And the reality is there's a lot of discretionary business that's driven through distribution. And the more that our team can be trained up, the more useful we can be to our manufacturer partners. So those are the key things that we look at when we're looking to bring on a new partner. So you mentioned a thing about how the company or manufacturer views distribution. Can you clarify that or expand on that? Well, there's a wide range of philosophies within the manufacturer community, and I don't claim to know all of them as far as what role distribution plays. But the companies that we we tend to just be very strong partners with, number one, they root for independent distribution or just distribution as a whole as an important piece of the triangle between the roofer, manufacturer, and distributor. And so they make sure that we're priced we're priced accordingly so that it makes sense for us to take on the cost of storing that material in our warehouse. First unloading the truck, storing it, and then delivering it back out to job sites. There's a lot of cost that's involved in that as well as us carrying the credit of our contractors. So some manufacturers really embrace that and others view more that they have control over where the business, how the business is coming in. And so they may not be as motivated to make sure that we're able to recoup our costs, the cost that that goes into distributing the material. I think overall, most manufacturers really love working with distribution because of the role we do play for them. And I think we've seen, especially as we have been in business now six years, we've been we've they've seen who we are as a company, and they understand that if we make a commitment, we're going to deliver on that commitment. So we're very grateful for the the partners that we have in place. Awesome. Now, one of the past guests talked about the value and the evolution of distributors in an increasingly online world. Can you comment on that? What does that mean to you guys? It's interesting because there's so much discussion around this right now. And what I would say is the value that we bring to the table is that if any given morning, you're going to see a line of customers lined up at our branches because there are last minute needs that they needed that they realized they needed a job site yesterday or they needed throughout the day today, or they're installing product and, and they're not sure which screws go with it or which underlayment would make the most sense. 
there's so much knowledge that distribution can bring to the table if they can if we continue to invest in getting our staff completely trained up which is what Elite has done. We have industry professionals who only focus on roofing materials. I think some of the ways that, that technology is coming into play is that if, if our staff cannot add value when you call us and ask us a question, that as a contractor, I would feel like I'm just going to go online. Mm-hmm. The only reason that you would want to, the value that we bring is our knowledge of products and our ability to provide quick service, meaning that we have that material on the ground and we have the trucks to deliver it. So I think the companies that are, are needing to go more and more toward the digital using websites, they've lost the understanding of that value that that counter person or that inside person really provides. There's always going to be a need for online ordering to some degree, meaning if I'm a roofer and I want to place an order at midnight, I'm not going to call my sales rep. I'd like to be able to submit that online. But I still want to have a person that the next morning I can call and talk to mm-hmm. and say, hey, Oh, do you get my order? Do you have everything? Is there any questions? Hey, by the way, did I forget? Is there anything I should really add to that? This is a new system that I'm installing. I still want to have that person at the branch know my products. So I think it's, there's a balance, but I think there's a ton of value. I mean, right now it's 147 here in Phoenix. In the next two hours, we will get at least a dozen orders between my three branches in Arizona where a roofer needs that material tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. That's the value of distribution. We keep the material on the ground and we have the fleet to get things and make things happen for the roofing community. At the same time, we know our stuff when it comes to the products. Absolutely. That makes sense. So you tackled the online question, but what I'm curious about is, obviously you were educated in in the business area, but who've been sort of your mentors over the years? You've obviously spent some time on doing a lot of personal development. Oh gosh, I, I have been very blessed in this way. <laughs> I have a number I have a number of mentors starting back at you know, my grandmother who worked at our roofing company, our family roofing company until she was ninety three years old. Wow. I really grew up just watching how she interacted with her team and the respect she gave everyone and she taught me a lot without saying, just by her actions. Mm-hmm. In college I had great mentors. My first job out of college was a finance consulting company out of Iowa. And I had developed a great mentor there who really helped me understand more about training and and how people learn and how to be a good leader through your actions. And so I've had several throughout my career. Then obviously my father and my mother have been great mentors to me. My father educates me every day in this business and, and really has shown me how to how to build lifelong friendships and relationships and and how to be a person of your word and have your reputation really be built through your actions in a very humble way. He's just taught me a ton. And my mother, she runs nursing homes and has always been in long-term care. And I joke that I grew up in a roofing yard and in nursing homes. And that was my childhood. (laughs) And, (laughs) And you know what? They both teach you a lot because when you're caring for people who are so dependent on you, in the long-term care. And she just, she leads with her heart and she leads teams of people, 150, 200 employees at any given time. And she's really showed me how to be empathetic and also be a driver of business. So I've been very lucky. I have countless mentors and I'm always looking for people who I admire and people who have done things that I hope to do one day. And I've just been very lucky in that way. That's awesome. Now, I mean, you mentioned so many different points. Was there, was there kind of a turning point where you kind of 
figured out a, a next gear or you felt transformed in that whole sort of span that you've been doing this? It's sort of like our business. There wasn't, there hasn't been a moment. Mm-hmm. It's more of a reflection. When I really reflect back and you can see, like I've definitely six years into the industry myself, I feel like I'm finally really understanding more and more about not just the industry, but how everything works as far as the the relationship between all the different involved parties. And more than anything, I, I'm really understanding more and more about what our customers are looking for, some of the challenges they're facing. And I think the biggest aha for me has just been seeing our own team grow and just see individuals grow in their roles and for them to really take ownership in the different pieces of our growth story. But I wouldn't say that there was like a singular moment. I have aha moments every day is what I call them. (laughs) I'm always (laughs) learning. There's always something where I'm like, wow, I wish I had understood that five years ago. But I think I'll be like that in my whole life. I I just, I love learning from other people. That's awesome. Uh, You just meant, I wish I knew something five years ago. I think we all have those moments. And so what would you tell your younger self? Like if you had to go back 10 or 20 years, what would you tell yourself? Oh, that's a great question, Tats. I would tell myself to, number one, I wish I'd kept a journal, honestly, of some of the things that we've we've gone through as a company and, and just in my life, because I really think that when you write, you reflect and things sink in a little bit differently. I think the other thing is I would have, before I had children, I would have invested even more time in reading. <laughs> now there are all these books that I'd love to read about business and I have very little time at night to do so. I wish I had done a little bit more even more of that before the kids came. I was always an avid reader, but I do wish that in some ways I had done. My father had wanted me to do this internship at one of the manufacturers when I was in college. And I do now regret that. I wasn't sure I'd ever end up in this industry. And now I, I really wish that I had taken that opportunity and understood the manufacturer side kind of from the inside position there. Mm-hmm. But really, I think most of the things that I wish I knew, you don't learn until you've experienced it. Nobody can really tell me a lot of things that I think we've all learned as a leadership team and building this company. I think it's just patience and time where these things come to be. Absolutely. Makes sense. So what, what sort of habits or routines help you keep sort of on sort of focused on success? What, what do you rely on? I'm a big believer in the seven habits by Stephen Covey. Ah, so yes. I'm a very intentional I've really worked to cultivate a practice of being very intentional in how I manage my time, using my calendar well to make sure that I don't miss key things with my family and I don't miss key things in business. That's been huge for me because we're juggling a lot at any given time in this company. I think making time every day to make sure that I'm talking with partners or employees. It's very easy. My my whole calendar for the week can be scheduled in meetings. And I make sure I usually use my drive time and make sure I'm really connecting with people so that I don't get too caught up in kind of things I need to get done at the headquarters, but that I, that I keep my boots on the ground at our branches. I think that's been, that's been very helpful. And I'm in a peer group. I'm a big believer in being in peer groups. We're in a buying group called American Wholesale. I attend every best practice that I can. I'm very intentional about continuing to learn. Because this industry is changing, our customers' needs are changing, and I don't think for a minute that I have all the answers to the different challenges that we're all going to face. So it's very important to me to be 
to have different peer networks where I can bounce ideas and understand what challenges they're facing in their business and, and hopefully learn a little something from everyone. So. Awesome. So what else are you, what are you curious about right now? It's what no one is saying is what I'm curious about. You know, <laughs> we want to hold, we want to hold a dealer council later in this year. We're going to bring in customers and, and pick people's brains on what their needs are. But I find and, I, and that's very important. And I want to understand that much better. But I also find that five years ago, I would never have told you, Tats, that I was going to get into random strangers' cars and I was going to order that via my phone. <laughs> I, as a consumer, could not have told anybody that I was willing to do that. In fact, I would have laughed very hard at you if you told me I'd be doing that. And now I use that app every week when I'm traveling. <laughs> so it's what no one's talking about that I'm trying, I'm very curious. Like I want to understand what to think about what is this disruption going to be like in the industry and how do we deal with the lack of employee availability across the board? I mean, just as basic consumers, you and I, we, we own homes. We're going to need people who can come fix our roof and handle our plumbing issues and our electrical issues, et cetera. So I'm very concerned about what is that solution to get more people into the trade, into our own business as well. Because these guys who work as our roof loaders and drivers and the roofers who are up on the roof every day, this is America. They are doing fantastic work. They are serving their communities. And somehow we need to find a way to attract more young people into these fields because it's a very honorable way of life. And I think people just don't know enough about how these guys are really serving our communities. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything I should have asked you, but I didn't? (laughs) (laughs) I just think you're, I know, honestly, I think you're a great interviewer. I can't think of anything that you have forgotten or that you have not asked about. That's good. I, I definitely enjoyed it. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you, Tats, for inviting me. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I want to thank everyone for listening to Specified. And I also want to thank listeners who are working hard each day to change the world, to make it a better place. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please forward it along and send me a note or drop me a comment if you have any feedback or suggestions. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.